0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Welcome to the Nerdist podcast number 167. Guys, I'm taped by Comedy Special of New York this Friday the 17th. Unless it's after the 17th and you're listening to this, you can just forget this 10 seconds. Uh, if you want to get tickets to that, go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. Also, Matt, Joan, and I are going to be traveling all over this grand country of ours. More dates are being added all the time. But we do have shows coming up, for instance, in Boulder, Colorado, March 2nd, Austin, Texas, March 3rd, Philadelphia, March 23rd, Atlanta, Georgia, March 24th, Minneapolis, March 30th. I can't go any higher. I'll start back at the bottom. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin, April 12th, Chicago, April 13th, Iowa City, April 14th, Royal Oak, Michigan, April 20th, State College, Pennsylvania, April 21st, Boston, Massachusetts, May 4th. And we're not done. I'm going to drag those nerds all over this fucking country. You're gonna to get to hug them and touch them and poke them and pinch them and say hi. It's going to be fun. Here's some big fun news going on at Nerdist Industries. I don't know if you guys know or care, but several months ago, I partnered with a company called Geek Chic Daily, which is kind of a geek daily email newsletter. And uh, we have completely mashed up our companies. So now, starting this week, Geek Chic Daily newsletter is now Nerdist News. Yes, there is a daily Nerdist email newsletter that you can sign up for, uh, and you get amazing uh, reviews and recommendations and all sorts of fun stuff about all the shit that you guys love. All it's all the shit that I love. So I uh, I encourage you to go to Nerdist.com. There's a banner on the front page, and you can sign up for the Nerdist newsletter uh, and and get and get daily Nerdist stuff in your email. I am very excited about that. I am tremendously excited about that. Uh, as our first really 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 big project, as Nerdist Industries, we are doing at San Diego Comic Con this year. Course of the Force, which is a five-day lightsaber relay run, Olympic torch style, going all the way down the California coastline from Santa Monica Pier to San Diego, leading up to preview night of Comic-Con, and we are beyond excited about it. We partnered with Lucasfilm. We're going to be doing live coverage from the event uh, on the Nerdist channel at youtube.com slash Nerdist. Every night we're going to do parties and panels and uh, and live music and comedy along the way. And it's just going to be a fun way to kind of take the con out of the con floor and just carve a path down the California coastline. Uh, for the days leading up to San Diego Comic-Con. So, you can purchase a run segment. They're quarter-mile run segments at courseoftheforce.com and all the money from the run segments go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So, it's for a good cause. So, a lot of fun Nerdist stuff brewing. I am on overload. Hey, I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the Nerdist Podcast. It is Stamps.com. I have been a Stamps.com user actually for, I I think maybe since about 2004. Uh, It just... I do not enjoy going to the post office. (laughs) Nothing against the people who work at the post office. It's just they don't design it to be a pleasurable experience. With Stamps.com, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You can print and buy official U.S. postage on your own computer using your own printer. It's super quick and easy. You get all the postage for all the letters in the packages that you need... Instantly. uh, And then a mailman picks it up. You don't have to leave your house. You can do it in your underwear. Or you don't have to wear pants at all. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That is the convenience stamps.com gives you. Go to stamps.com. They have a special offer for you guys. It's a no-risk trial. Plus... $110 $110 bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and $55 of free postage, but only if you enter the promo code NERDIST. So please, go to Stamps.com, uh, click the radio microphone on the top of the homepage, type in NERDIST. That is Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Thanks, Stamps.com, for sponsoring the Nerdist podcast and our little dream ship that we try to keep afloat. Speaking of dream ships, I am so excited about this episode. This was Conan that uh, we recorded about a week ago. We went to his offices after a taping of the show and... He is amazing. I mean, this guy was so influential to what I think a lot of uh, contemporary comedy is, uh, just between, you know, late night and also The Simpsons and uh, pretty much everything that he was involved with. So, you know, I, I try not to nerd out too much on the poor guy in this episode, but this really was, I mean, you know, when people had always said like, who would you love to have on the podcast? You know, Conan was a name that almost always came up for me. So I am super thrilled. Uh, and hopefully my life is not downhill from here because i 've realized one of my dreams, but he was great, so amazing to talk to, really just a thoughtful guy and had so many wonderful things to say about comedy and sort of the nerd brain and it was it was an absolute blast and so I hope you enjoy this uh, Nerdist podcast episode number one sixty seven with conan o 'Brien.
0: Now entering nerdist.com.
1: Captain, if you're going to capture it on television, you yeah. might as well make sure that people there like you from the get-go.
0: Yeah, after I recorded that last album, I, was, I felt weird. I was like, eh, that's a lot of my friends. No wonder it, the set went well. But my my friend's like, they can't see your friends on the record. It's like, <laughs>
2: fine. I've always, you know, sometimes if we have a uh, off night <laughs> or something, and the producer will be, will say, Jeff Ross will say, you know, the oh, uh, material wasn't really there. And I'll say, we... uh We've been in this business too long to earn it on its on our own merits. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to be gifted the way Bob Hope was gifted, like, 20 years of just... Yeah, hey, you and John Forsythe as cabbage patch babies, you know. <laughs> I, we're yeah. there. You
1: know, they yeah. used to earn All it. All you need to do point. is walk on stage with a nine iron and they get you yeah. killed. Yeah. You All,
2: All right, so we're goes. good.
1: All right. Godspeed.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, sorry, oh, what did I just do? Nice. It just did landed in the most sorry awesome that. way. That's
2: where you realize that I'm Superman.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> that's the thing. Are you Are you coming out as Superman
2: possible.
0: on yeah. the podcast? Nice. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I thought you meant Superman as in like you knock things over and nothing gets damaged.
1: <laughs> that's his only superpower. <laughs> the real life in this, Superman. In this realm. Except for yeah. when he got drunk in Superman 3.
2: Oh, well, that's right. I remember yeah. that vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely.
1: Then he fought himself. Uh, I actually got here really early, and I watched the show, and it was great. Doctor Phil was funny. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't think I. Really I just act like
2: to... such an at, My whole strategy. Are we going? By the way. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah I started, yeah. Is this, I don't need to strap on a mic yeah. or anything. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, no, my strategy has always been act like an ass, and it leeches this foolishness out of people. Yeah. Um, you know Harrison Ford's a good example. I was just about a guy to who, say that. Yeah. He goes on these other shows, and he's Harrison Ford. And then he comes on our show and I'm such a fool that he starts acting like a fool, kind of. And, uh, and so it's this effect. And I think Dr. Phil is an example of this guy who, you know, we just, uh, I'm, I accuse him of things. I do this horrible impression with my finger. I'm shoving my ass in his face. And then afterwards he leaned over and he was just... He was like, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't act like that on other shows. And I said, I know that's kind of what we do. It's just, yeah. uh, I don't know.
1: But it's probably pretty freeing for him, like, not having to shout at uh, irresponsible moms, like, to be able to come on and,
2: and yeah. make, make jokes. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I I like to, uh, I like it to be a safe environment for whoever's on the show. You yeah. know, it's not a, it, my philosophy is I take the host part seriously and, Uh, A friend of mine a long time ago said, I think it was when I first got announced as taking over for Letterman and there was all this speculation, who is this guy? And they just started calling people that knew me because I wasn't doing interviews. And my friend Eric Reif said, the thing about Conan is he likes to be funny with you, not at you. Right. And I thought, that's probably the best description. That was in 1993 he was saying that, and I was 30. And that is my thing, is I like to... I'm very uncomfortable if uh, I I am I'm not good at it. I don't have a talent for slicing and dicing somebody right. and it's not even a moral decision it's just that's not what my skill set is what I really like to do is uh co-opt that person and then and then make them a part of my comedy team yeah. so if it's uh and then there are shows where you know we'll have, it will work successfully and afterwards the booker will say wow you know that guest is really funny and I'll say they are not funny <laughs> don't you dare say they're funny I gave them my life essence yeah exactly what? I what? gave them my bone marrow <laughs> up there I'm gonna live uh, for two you know years less because of that interview you're talking to the fucking puppeteer <laughs> right
1: and so there's a rage there but I but I think that's I think that's good I mean I don't we're pretty positive on this show with people and, like, we want everyone to have fun and have a good time and I don't really... I feel like it's cheating to pull someone onto your show and then try to attack them. It's like, yeah. well, they're they are in your turf. Like, that's, that's the easiest attack in the world when you can bring them onto your territory and then just start laying into also them. Also the most gratifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you piece of shit is not See, gratifying. Is, that's that's that worked out
2: really well. That's <laughs> gonna be the pull quote from <laughs> yeah. no, He says that to Matt all the time. Yeah. Uh, John, we kicked out of comedy. The, uh... There's a uh, yeah. I think there are people who they reveal themselves. You got to let them re- if if they're an asshole. You got to let that will be revealed yeah. in time, and then you can try it and help them. And then over, after a while, uh, there have been times where you have just you know you just let them do it themselves. There's mm-hmm. not much you more. Just kind of step see. out of the way. Yeah, and then uh, but I think for the most part, um, there's a very I think over, it's a big part of our culture obviously watching people be humiliated but it's everywhere now I mean, yeah. it's on those reality shows and people uh, and, and so that I always think there's plenty of places to go if you want to see that yeah. and uh, when I attack a celebrity they're not in the room with me
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I prefer the cowardly
1: <laughs> yeah but I think everyone kind of knows at this point people know like oh if Conan Pokes funny it's not like he 's not no. aggressively taking a stand He's, no, it's no, fun. he no, 's uh, yeah
2: exactly i i i 've always wanted that to, to come across, which is that we 're not uh, we 're not that was never the philosophy behind it was it 's very much a cartoon show that 's brought to life yeah. and uh, I was so influenced by cartoons as a kid that I really do like it when the show becomes cartoony, mm-hmm. and I like things to be visual and silly, and almost have like it should look funny with the sound off, like Tex Avery style. Yeah, that kind of and, and well, that kind of you know, classic Warner Brothers, you know, yeah, um, Roadrunner Coyote uh, kind of feel to it, which is you know my expressions even. I just I'm. I'm very, I act things out a lot and sometimes I think this is really a Nickelodeon show and that's the way I've been doing it all these times but if you watch the monologue with no sound, you see a lot of acting things out (laughs) and and walking by the camera and every now and then we have a director who's new who follows me and I'm like, no, it's locked off. It's all the shit that you do when there's a closed circuit television at a Best Buy and you start clowning around in front of you
1: 15 years old. <laughs> oh, yeah, you ha- yeah, exactly. you got to
2: lock off the camera yes. for funny things to happen. And I think a big uh, problem in comedy is that, you know, the cameras, you know, there was a thing for a while where everything, uh, I think it was came from MTV, but it was that whole if it's, Cool, the camera's constantly zooming up to your face and yeah. zooming over yeah. here. Lowering, and yeah. you can't do comedy if that's happening. No,
1: and Python Python were masters of that and then and then the Zucker Brothers and Abrams yes. were masters of that of just of of just keeping a wide shot and just letting something weird happen in the corner yes. yeah. and not calling attention to it and letting people discover
2: it. So there's nothing funnier than something happening and building quietly in the background and uh, especially when there's an authority figure. We've done this a million times, but we lock off the camera, and I'm talking, and then, you know, Andy will just go by in the background, or in my monologue I'll disappear, and then I'll peek back in again, and people laugh, and I think it's basically, it's like in our reptile brains. It's what you do with babies. Yeah. You disappear, and then you come back. It's peekaboo. Yep. <laughs> and here I am, and I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm supposed to, you know, uh, have some sophisticated view of what this is, and I think no, it's really still peekaboo a <laughs> lot of times. Uh, and there's nothing, uh, the biggest laughs I get are me just looking sad. You know, (laughs) someone will say something, and I'll just turn, and, you know, someone will say, like, well, you know, I mean, Conan, not that you're the best-looking guy, whatever. Some guests will say something kind of innocuous, but it has a slight, it can be taken as an insult, and the crowd will look to me, and I'll just look slightly, and it's a Jack Benny move. It's just a Jack Benny sad also
1: It's also smart for your studio audience because... I think what a lot of people don't understand, if you've never been to, like, a taping of a talk show, a lot of times, you know, people come through, they're tourists or whatever, they want to go see a television taping, and it's so easy for them to get distracted by, there's a band, there's lights, there's camera guys! So, like, being as visual to sort of pull them into the show is
2: vital. I mean, I'd love to say that I, you know, that I came up with some of these things. It was just, basically, you're doing, it's it's the sense of humor that was downloaded into my... Brain somehow by the you know pretty much fully formed by the time I was like fifteen, mm-hmm. and then you just do it because you do what you you, you go with what you got, and so uh, you know lots of people have uh, you know I look at other people and I really admire um, like I look at someone like Stephen Colbert and I'll think he's a precision instrument he's just a uh and I and, and in a really good way he's very talented and he 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 can, uh, he can pull off these moves in sort of an exact way, and I can never do the same thing twice. Like, I'm just, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. I feel like it's just a, almost I have like a sloppy energy, but it seems to work. You know comes, what I mean? Do you think that comes from, like, improv and stuff like that? I think or? there's, a, I, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's a lot of, I've never tried to, I grew up in a big family, and it all starts with you making your brothers and your father laugh, and that's where 98% of it comes from. Most of the work that I... Most of my school was kitchen table stuff. Like, let's see if I can get something going and see if I can really make people laugh. And then you take it to school, and then you do it there. <clears throat> and then it's just... you. The, the the forum just keeps getting a little bit bigger. And then the next thing you know, you're doing it, you know, uh, on a television show. But it's still the same thing. I'll just get on a run about something and people are laughing. And I I mostly do it with my writers. I w- I would say... My best stuff never gets on the show. I I'm really am I'm a performer for my writers and for people in the office. I do things, long-extended, crazy, left-brain bits, and they'll really laugh, and then I'll get in the car, and I'll, I'll, I'll be driving home, and I'll think, that killed,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was not seen by... Well, that was kind of like during the writer's strike. There was a lot of yeah, bits where yeah. you just, uh, were just fucking around people in the audience. Yeah, and fun. you can just...
2: There's kind of a... I love it when things go wrong. My favorite thing on the show is when there's a mistake. I'm liberated... I'm such an uptight, I will behave Catholic that when things get screwed up, and the rules vanish, and it's not my fault, and I and I have an excuse. It's a snow day. Meaning, if uh, <laughs> if something goes wrong, if tonight when well, the director made a mistake, and I can, I, I I made it part of the bit. We were doing a bit about uh, Craigslist and ads on Craigslist, and then he cut to the wrong person. I said, "Here's my ad w- looking for a new director," and um, you know people love that. I like it when something goes wrong and I sort of, I prefer that to everything going correctly. I like it when things break. I like it when the guest does something weird they weren't supposed to do. And you, as long as you comment on it and you're honest about it, people love it. And there's a lot of being honest about whatever situation you're in. And so I always do believe you go out there and you don't want, you want to take away anything that makes it seem like it's a show. Right. Because I am not... I don't become somebody else. This is it. And, um, you know, I always feel like actors have a luxury where if you don't like what they did, they can say, you know, well, I was playing, you know, I, 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 that was the character they wrote for me and I did it and I agree with you. I that's, thought it was horrible as that's well. sort
1: of... That's sort of a little bit of a freedom that Colbert has. I mean, he is a genius, mm-hmm. but he is essentially playing like that show is almost a sketch show. Like, yeah. He's playing a character. Right. And I always thought it would be incredibly liberating to like in stand-up or whatever to be a character because then you have so much less responsibility for like but you know, right. you're, you're, you're you're you know, you're in a, probably a slightly exaggerated version of yourself on the show, but you're exactly, still yourself. I
2: no. <laughs> no, It's funny because it it uh, the only thing you don't see on the show is I have There's the flip side, which is I can get very in my head and depressed and, you know, kind of dark. And I go into a place and then I zip out of it. It's almost uh, I've had people in my family and in my life say I'm one of those people that needs to, like, go down and touch the bottom of the pool and then shoot back up again. And so I need to do that. People don't see that part, which is just as well. I mean, it's just (laughs) me. With, with no animation and uh incredible life-sucking depression there should <laughs> be
0: one episode do there one, be one episode, episode
2: where i come out and just hey this yeah, is uh, never, didn't work out. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> five, o'clock, five yeah. o'clock shadow weird sores <laughs> on the
1: face then it works but then you have to engineer it every episode
2: like hey yeah. guys i'm really upset no, no, yeah. right isn't that what you guys would you want
1: that's a stick-on sore that's not yeah. even a real sore
2: <laughs> That wasn't a convincing frown. <laughs> do you feel, uh, do you, are
1: you hard on yourself?
2: Yes. Yeah. I I'm, think I'm, that I'm Catholic. I'm, I'm, I was raised Catholic. I think
1: that's a Catholic thing.
2: Yeah, I'm... Um, yeah, I'm, you know, sometimes the writers I'm very uh, judgmental about because I was a writer for so long. If someone's trying... I'm. I'm really... If I'm allowed to, you know, say that I'm funny about something, I'm really funny at tearing... I just said I'm not good at being mean about something. I'm really funny about, I think about uh, uh, tearing apart a comedy piece that was uh, flawed construction. And, 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 and then I have an insane memory for it. So a writer sometimes will come up to me and they'll say, well, we had this idea. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, sounds a lot like, you know, uh, Space Nugget. And they'll go, what? And remember? And I'll say, remember, 1996? He's doing it again! Then, you know, and I remember, I remember to the, the word what went wrong with the piece. If something doesn't work, I have this sick... Uh, perverse memory for why it failed, what went wrong, who wrote it, uh, how silent the crowd was. Oh wow! Uh, and then I can just spit it right back at these writers, and um, they despise it. But, <laughs> <That's> terrifying uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: to have a com- like comedy police inside a writer's room.
2: I mean, yeah, dangerous. and I and you know I'll be like, oh no, that's great, that's great. I didn't realize that you know we were doing an episode of Saved by the Bell from. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-one, but it's good to know we're doing them. You know, like, um, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, Diamond sketches up. Yeah, I'm really hard on that stuff, and so yeah. But I'm very. I always tell them you don't realize that I'm twice as hard on myself. I mean, I'll I'll wake up at night and I'll be in a pretty good mood, and then my brain will think of something I did that didn't work or a moment where I was exposed uh, in on stage in some way, and I just, it's like a visceral Tourette's reaction to it. Like, fuck. Yeah. You know, you know, you idiot. Why did you, uh, what the fuck were you thinking? And my wife has heard me saying this shit. Like, I go in the bathroom and you know, you urinate at night or something, and then I'll like look in the mirror and be like, "You idiot! Why didn't you?" Who are you talking to? In the, yeah. myself, yeah. The, the person I hate the most. My urine. Yeah, my biggest I enemy. Hate <laughs> my urine. <better. laughs> I hate my urine. Uh, my reflection. My arch nemesis. Mm. How I, dare you rid my body of dead cells? I mean, I
1: think you. you know. I think that <laughs> my, uh, my my a friend of mine calls that. Oh, that's the fire in your belly. Like that's why you know that's part of what makes you. Successful and I guess, I mean, I guess. I guess that's sort of true. But I hate. I, I hate thinking that. Well, you have to flagellate. <laughs> you have to. You have to flog yourself
2: uh, in order to be successful. I hope that's not. I hope that's not true. You know what? I've come to believe. I've come to believe that it's a. Co- it's an equation. It's a coefficient. It's never just one thing. It's. You want to take one part talent. I actually think I'm the first one to say. I think talent's overrated. You know, I, I can't tell you how many. Uh, um, I'm always hearing about parents or friends of, my pa- friends of my parents who are parents who say, well, my son's going off to, and they're going to be fine because they're so talented. And I think that's, that's actually, plenty of people have talent. I mean, I, you see talent all over the place. Yeah. It's how is it harnessed and how is it, um, you know, uh, there were plenty of good bands in Liverpool. You know, right. <laughs> people that were in their own way just as, you know, really good. He's a really good guitarist. He's a great you know, yeah, I think about the guitar
0: players you see at you know, Guitar Center on a Sunday afternoon. Who are after just you know. shredding, yeah, and great. they're fantastic. And
2: I, and I always think in comedy, like, there's this, yeah, you got to have some talent. You can't have no talent. I mean, actually, that's not true. That's, I've been proven wrong on that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to have some talent, and then it's got to be, you have to mix these other things in, and you get this equation. And I think probably a, an important part of the conversa- uh, of the equation is some degree of self. Loathing you know uh, in the right amount, right, but then over time, if you have too much, if that grows too much, it can hurt your comedy. I think there are comedians that get that get lost, you yeah. know like they're they're picking apart their jokes too much they're you know they're questioning themselves too much, they're overthinking it, and then you think, okay, it's really tricky as i mean uh, you know you start to think about. What haunts me is, uh, you know, who's really funny later in life? And you go through the list in your head with all of you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really small. You're like, eh, oh, Oh, no. And then they did the movie where they're, oh, yeah. Oh, that's when he started taking it really seriously. Yeah, and so that's the thing I'm always...
1: Groucho survived. Carl Reiner still seems pretty funny. George Burns stayed funny. Mel Brooks stayed funny. You know, I think, you know, it's funny because... Uh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Mel Brooks, he's a funny guy, but the movies aren't funny. He was... You know, I saw the thing that he did with Dick Cavett at the Saban Theater, I guess, and it
2: was was so... He's a really... I think he's a... I think he's... Yeah, I think he's like a force of nature, kind of funny. I think there's also different styles age better. Like, George Burns was... Very dry and very quiet, and had Gracie for a long time, and so it's almost like he was a pitcher who threw like 35 miles an hour, but could somehow get people out. Tim so you know, so he could, yeah, you know, uh, knuckleballers, you know, can play till they're like 80, you know, uh, and and but I think people who get by on energy or just raw physicality only or nerve or. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that was hard for Chevy Chase is, you know, when he was young and brash, you know, you could get away with so yeah. much more. And then there's this, there's Jerry Lewis as an example of a guy who it's tougher later on. You know, you don't want to see uh, what, uh, Jerry Lewis hanging from a chandelier. If you see Jerry Lewis hanging from a chandelier in 1949 at the... Uh, it, you know, at the 500 Club, it's it, it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. If you see him hanging from a chandelier when he's 75, you call the fire department. Yeah. This is it? You know? This is it? Yeah. We've got to get him down. He can get hurt, you know. Uh, he must not know what he's up there. He's
1: to got that. dementia. Yeah. rogue. Yeah. It's the medication. But I always yeah. wonder if some of that, if some of that is, I mean, I think, I think there's a certain part of comedy that's a, it's a drive to, like, it's just sort of this weird, broken thing in a lot of us, I mean, I don't know if this is true for mm-hmm. you, of just like, Ah, oh, need. I want people to like. I want everyone to have fun. I want everyone to like me. And you get older. If you get comfortable or successful, you just yeah. don't really have that fire anymore. Because you're like, yeah, hey, you know, I feel all right.
2: I don't know. Yeah, but, I think uh, you know. I definitely think there is a uh, there is a uh, a fear. There's that that you can lose your way. You know, like it's you see it with songwriters all the time. After they've got a billion dollars and they've got a penthouse. What do you? What right, is it you right. have to? Say, what do you? Yeah. What is it you have to say anymore? Well, you're it's also a real, go star album we listened to the other day. <laughs> we did that as the whole album. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, what, yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> but but also, you're. I think also your environment changes. You know, you're not. Right. You're a little more isolated. It's not like
2: you're you're just out in the world living. You know, like. Right.
1: Yeah. Hey, you, you know. You're sort of. The well, little, that's where I think it's now. really
2: important to. Like, I am in the world, and I know it's probably not. I don't know what the real world is. I don't know if I've ever been in the real world, but I do. I have created an environment where I can be ridiculed. Like, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Here at the show, Andy can brutally make fun of me. The writers <laughs> can go after me. I go after them. My assistant, I have this relationship with my assistant, Sona, where she just can tear me apart. And uh, you go after me for being a nerd and, you know, not knowing how to use my computer and uh, just tearing me to shreds. And I think, yeah, there's something about that. You need... You need an environment where if I walk in wearing weird shoes, everyone can say like, "What is with the shoes?" Yeah. And uh, that is good. That is that that helps me. Uh, in, and also, I you know, you go out. I have kids. I have little kids, and you know, they'll let you know. They'll tell you. And we you know, we got to go to the school and talk to the teachers. And you got to go do stuff. And I try. And I still. I'm not one of those. I'm not at that level of celebrity where you just disappear into like a white cocoon <laughs> that, that gives off like some Lady Gaga egg. Yeah. Uh, you know, I go through drive-thrus and, uh, you know, um, I've returned things to the gap. So, so you're I think saying
0: that, you're just like us.
2: <laughs> not like you, <laughs> because I found out you're independently extremely wealthy. Very much so. <laughs> and you live in a bubble. <laughs> a weird, it's money bubble. It's not the biggest
0: bubble out there. You're it's not a great bubble. It's not the
2: best of the bubbles. It's a bubble made of drywall. <laughs> you should really clean your bubble. Just, you just keep mm-hmm. your bubble. Quick. Stay out of my bubble. But it, yeah, I, I so I don't know. But the you know, and then there's just the the biggest question to me is: Would you rather be funny or happy? <laughs> that is the big question. And. Wow. Uh, and what if it comes down to you can be wow. funny or you can be happy and I think, I know when I was younger uh, it, uh, it wasn't even a choice I'd much rather be funny than happy and then later on I think now I'm probably getting to a place in my life where I would say like no, it's time to be happier yeah. yeah. you know, uh, I'd still like to be funny but I'm not willing to chuck happy, I'm not willing to do it anymore and uh you know, that said, I still have plenty of people coming to my office all the time saying, why are you in this funk, or how did you... I go down rabbit holes of just, uh, you know, cognitive therapists describe it as you just, you just go down like a vortex of negative thinking, and the next thing you know, you're, you're stuck in it. And uh, it's craziness. Uh, but it is some kind of, you know, uh, mechanism that probably helped me uh, when I was like 15 and now it doesn't, it just gets in the way. Yeah. And you know? have other people that rely on you and you have a family and it's like, oh, ah, yeah. I
1: really have to I gotta yeah. put on the happy. And what I,
2: like I've really found like, uh, there are these really, uh, you know, um, that to me, if you have a creative mind, I describe it sometimes as a very powerful lawnmower. It can do all this great stuff. But every now and then it turns around and it rolls over you <laughs> yeah. and chews you up and so that 's what happens to me is I just have a very good my dad is a scientist and uh, and a mad scientist, some would <laughs> say but hes my dad's a scientist and and he's a very smart guy, and he once said, basically he looked at me and he said, "You're making a very good living off of something that should be treated and I was like, wow' <laughs> and he was like and he was describing how I mean, really, comedy, a lot of comedy is making these neural leaps that shouldn't happen. They're illogical, you know? There's, If you looked at it, it's these... uh, We're trained to have logical neural leaps. And yet, when you sit around in a room, and, you know, since 1985... Actually, in college, since 1982, pretty much full-time, I've been trying to think of what's funny and weird. And so just thinking weirdly... I've trained my... Bu- I mean, I think my brain naturally wanted to do that, and then it's just been... What's a, and that's how I wrote it at Sarnat Live with The Simpsons. It's thinking incorrectly. Right. Is funny. Well, see, so,
1: like Martin always said, oh, I would study philosophy because it just screws up your thinking just a bit. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and it's basically it's the same idea. You want to think... Um, you know, uh, one of the first sketches I wrote for Sarnat Live, well, the first ideas I ever pitched at Sarnat Live was a uh, uh, a professor uh, who's, uh, like an anthropology professor, who's afraid of the skeleton in his lab. You know, like, <laughs> and, and it's when you think about it, it's an illogical idea, but I just love the idea of a guy very straight. You know, it's just the, the lab skeleton hanging yeah. next to him, and he's lecturing to a big room, and I, I forget who actually... Uh, I think John Lithgow ended up doing it, but I, I wrote it, uh, and it's just, you know, a whole class there of... University students listening, and you open up, and he's there, and the skeleton's hanging there, and he's not looking at it; he's just gesturing. <laughs> and he just like, you know. The tibia, of course, is the uh, is the thickest and most uh, densest of the bones, with a seven centimeter, you know, uh, flange at the top, which is uh, uh, there to support the weight. The tibia is made of a calcium depository, which, as you can see, is, nah! oh god, yeah! oh yeah! and then reaction shots of the students, sort of, you know, and him going, oh yeah oh. And then he recovers, and then the whole joke is, anyway, the ribs. There are sixteen ribs total, eight on each side. They are joined at the spinal column. Uh, it's the uh, they form in a ridge, which is called the parisi ah! Oh
1: my God! Ah
2: And he gets just as scared each time, and I loved it. And then he. Goes to the dean, and that was uh, Phil Hartman, and the dean is like, "So the skeleton's scaring you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified." And he goes, "Like, what if you went for a..." Smaller skeleton that was less scary. And then you, you see the transition, you see him lecturing, and there's a little rubber skeleton that you can see hanging in the window, and he gets startled each time. Oh, oh. And that still isn't good. And then he goes back to the dean, and the dean is like, What if you tried dressing up the skeleton as something that was less threatening? So then you see him lecturing, and the skeleton's got a pirate costume on. And he's like, The mandible is, of course, the thickest region of the bone where, and he looks at it and he goes, pirate. Pirates make him laugh, and then the dean comes in to check on him, sees the pirate, and goes, ah, pirate! And then it ends with uh, them, one being happy, the other being scared. And uh, But I, later on, I remembered Al Franken. I pitched that, and Al Franken just came up to me, and he said, why, why did you think of that? Like he, Which, was, to me, was a big compliment of, like, "Oh, well, it's a weird...
1: Yeah. Thought yeah. to have and well,
2: Senator Franken. I- yeah, exactly. Well, future Senator Franken. Everyone laughs. <laughs>, laughs. Right, Al Franken for Senate. But there's a, uh, you know, it is a incorrect way of thinking, and it's why, uh, you know, sometimes like on standardized tests, I would they would ask the question, and I would think of like really weird reasons why it could be c when it's you know it's e you know and it's like well i have like a really weird magical way that it could be c and you think no you idiot uh but i i there's something about that kind of way of thinking that is actually incorrect like evolution should have gotten is there really a reason for us to have a sense of humor when you think about it is it uh, is, it is it necessary? I think it's a defense
1: mechanism. I think it's a way to deal with reality. It helps me cope with my weight. Yeah, not yeah. <laughs> alleviate depression. But I think it's sort of like, I mean, I think it is kind of like what you said with the, the lawnmower analogy, but it's the idea that, you know, as, as for whatever reason, you know, comedians being these sort of critical deconstructors of reality, and so you're con- you're constantly breaking things down and breaking things down, and how does this work, and why does this work, and how could this be different? And then when you run out of things in the external world, then it's just like the lawnmower. Yes. Like that. Then the machine's like, Hungry! Must feed!
2: And then... No, exactly. Like, what that's, mobile, called, sold. that's exactly. That's what happens is then you become... It's a gerbil wheel where if you don't... It's actually... The, it's the movie Speed. If the bus slows down below 55, you're going to die. You're right. You're going to blow up. And what happens is I... Um, you know, when I went through all my craziness two years ago, uh, it, it's so fast... I only realize now how all I did was, I mean, it was the perfect opportunity to go away for a while. Everything was, you know, go away for a while and regroup. And I didn't stop for a second and actually went through all this Herculean effort to make this live show and do this social media thing and worked twice as hard as I've ever done in my life at a time when, you know, and I think that was a survival mechanism. I needed to go create something and get in front of people right away and then you step back from that and you think what does that say about that's because it's got to stop at some point and I don't want to be like 85 and you know caking on 10 times (laughs) with all weird facial surgeries and I'm going to get out there and do this (laughs) do this string dance "Ah, look at that guy you know and just blood is coming out of my hips because they don't work anymore that was
0: the thing about the Jerry Lewis uh, documentary that came out recently it's like they they cut between uh, him Back in the 40s, doing the typewriter bit. And yeah. He's really animated. And then they cut to him doing it live, like this past year. And his hands are just barely moving. Right. And he's still doing it. people are going, I remember when he was typing right. on a
2: computer. And he had <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. so much laughs> you, you know, a little, yeah. little iPhone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is much more sensitive. Um, yeah. You, there's a. Uh, um, that must have been. Cr- I mean, like, I know, I know you've talked
1: about this, I'm sure, a million times. Oh, that's right. I, 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 but I can't even just as a performer it's hard enough in this in this i mean I, I, and i know everything worked out because like they you know they paid you and you got to do this new show but still you never feel security in this business no yeah. even when you fucking move your entire thing right. across the country and you're like well of course i mean now of course everything's set well they wouldn't just yeah. i mean that'd well, be like crazy
2: Andy venture Andy he had actually a good because we brought Andy back when I came out here to do this, the, the Tonight Show. And Andy said, this is like the only thing comedically that's like being a tenured professor. Like, it's the closest <laughs> thing in right. comedy to, you know, this. Like, we've selected a new Tonight Show house. It was six years in the making. It's this long, right? You've been in training for 15, 18 years. Now you're going to go over here. And that was actually a good lesson that, you know, um, I mean, we knew things were funky beforehand when schedule stuff was happening and shows were being in, slid to 10, and people were being put in a 10. You're like, okay, well, we knew things were weird going into it. There was a weird vibe, but still, um, I have a really good imagination and I could never have predicted all that craziness and, and then the result of all that craziness. And so there's plenty of times now where I, you know, you, in some ways, I think... It's just a gift of some crazy kind. You just have to look at it as it a gift and okay, here now we're here and we all I need to do is make this show and if I'm someplace where I can make do the kind of thing that I like to do with the people I like to do it with and we send it out there, you know, uh, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Like we'll do that. And whether it's this show on that network or here, it's just it's just gonna have to do. Was it sort? Of, did it sort of? Was
1: it fun, or was it weirdly imprisoning when all this crazy shit's going on, and you probably and you see all the press is speculating, and people are going, "This must be happening," and you know the real story, and you can't really talk about it, but you're sort of firing off <sighs> subtle things on Twitter
2: here and there, and just yeah. Is it was that was my that, my feeling was always that uh, you know the whole rule that I wasn't allowed. to, specifically I wasn't allowed to talk about certain people just to get my contract paid off I wasn't allowed that was the arrangement but the um, um, the and I always thought you know what I wouldn't say uh, it's not like it wouldn't have done me any good to go after those people anyway like that's not I I, that really wasn't that's not who I am and it would not have been my intent uh, to do that anyway um, and I always thought, like I think people can kind of see what this is, sure, like I think a I think you know I'm, there's plenty of people there 's a lot of shit going on in the world, and people who don't pay attention to this, and why should they it 's like a you know two late night hosts who gives a shit and I get that that's but for people who are even paying moderate attention to it, I think you can see like I see what happened there and <laughs> And uh, and uh, you can s- it shines a light a little bit on how things work and how certain people behave and other people behave and so I don't know I always felt like okay that's that I don't have to go out of my way to get my story out because yeah. I think that's I think it's clear and and uh, um, and if anyone cares to know and looks it up and researches it and looks at some YouTube clips they'll get it. You know. I was there's that great moment
1: in the late shift where, you know, like Letterman is so it's like I want the tonight show you know and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then uh and then um you know his producer says to him uh uh you know, look it's not it's that not a show anymore, right? It's not that it's not the show you think it is. Right. Like that was that was yes. Carson. You know, did you? at some point you must have had a moment where you're like, you know what, maybe this isn't the show that I thought it was.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's uh, definitely, you know, what I always like to say is NBC cured me of my addiction to The Tonight Show. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I had an addiction, and they had a very successful treatment. Not really uh, public intervention. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so I thank them for that. And uh, there is a little thing sometimes where also, you know, comedy particularly everyone in this room we got into this it's not you go to law school you go for three years then you get out then you clerk here then you do this then slowly you move up then you make eventually you make partner then when you've been partner long enough maybe you start your own firm then you hire associates, and then eventually you uh, retire right. to sub- Suburban, or you know, working your way up the GE ladder. And then you end up, I was a senior vice president, and there are plenty of professions where you move up in this sort of chronological, linear way. And comedy just is not that way. There's no... Do you know what I mean? There's no waiting your turn, or there's no... Do you know what I mean? Uh, Well, especially now,
1: with digital culture, like, you...
2: Right, that's the other thing, too, is that, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, 25 years ago, if I had, whatever, sent out that statement and said, I'm not doing this, and then started to do those kinds of shows that I was doing at the end of The Tonight Show, I've been gone, and I mean really gone, the way people used to be gone. Right. Right. You know, I'd have been like... Uh, and we don't have, that's not the world anymore. No. Uh, and if you've got something that people or some, uh, something that people are interested in, you can get it to them. And so, um, uh, you know, that's refreshing, you know, that, that, uh, and like I say, I think you have to accept that this is, I chose this, there's that great line in the Godfather part two where, uh, um, um thinking of his name the the old... The Godfather? Yeah, yeah, not the God... Yeah, yeah. That's it. No, Godfather Part 2. The Godfather isn't in The Godfather Part right, 2. Yeah. Um, you idiot! <laughs> no, he is. He's just played by De Niro. No, no, no. You're right. Fair enough. Is he the Godfather yet? He's no. the guy no. that drives no, around in steals drugs. He's the 2. In a second. Yeah. Um, listen, you two have ruined this podcast.
0: <laughs> it's the Godfather Sam 2, T-O-O. Podcast.
2: <laughs> I loathe both of you. Uh, that's the reason I'm doing this. Because I have a gun. This Close to you. It's me first, Jonah. He's played by Lee Strasberg, and at one point, Lee Strasberg says, This is the business we've chosen. Like, I never asked who shot Mo Green, and he goes, This is the business we've chosen. And that's the truest thing I can think of about being in comedy and show business things get crazy, and things blow up, and uh, go spinning out of control, and people behave. I've seen people behave horribly, and and lie and all that and then I just always say to myself this is the business I chose like I chose this if I, w- if I didn't want this I'd have gone to dental school and I could probably be a competent dentist and I'd have a fairly regular practice but this is what I chose and so you've, I love a lot of the um, I don't know I don't think I'd change a thing you know I don't think I would change a single thing about what's happened in my career because I remembered when I first came out here to LA There was a period of time where I was unemployed, and I was sitting in a Dupars uh, Dupars having pancakes. Probably, probably still there. The Dupars completely unchanged. Yeah, and and I was having their pancakes, and I remembered it's that depressing thing where you don't have a job, and I lived in this three hundred eighty dollars a month apartment, and I walked to the Dupars. I want to say this is maybe eighty seven. And I'm sitting in there, and I have no job, and I'm eating pancakes, and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And you see other people rocketing by in their German cars, and you know they have places to go. They're getting an income. And I'm sitting there, and I was just looking at my pancakes, and I was just thinking, I don't care what happens in my career. I just want it to be interesting. And I remember very clearly almost saying that out loud, like, you know, waitress thought I was talking to her. I said, I'm talking to God. Get out of here! You're blocking my message to God. You stupid waitress. Don't you yeah, know how pancakes. God signals work? Yeah. yeah. Um, can't you see? I'm looking up dramatically at the ceiling. Whatever. And so I, so I. Uh, Mr. Dupont, we got another crazy one. Yeah. Another guy, Sasuke, praying about his career. Um, but, oh, you
1: one of uh, them Harvard kids? Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. So you, you were,
1: you were, you were president of the Harvard Lampoon. You graduated.
2: Had a job, had a job for a while at not
1: necessarily, not necessarily the news.
2: Yeah, and then that dried up, and um, my writing partner Greg Daniels and I got laid off, and um, and you know I he, I think he went and got a part time job. I got a part time job, um, and I was working at this place, Wilson's House of Suede and Leather, like over on.
1: I know that place. Yeah, I've uh, seen it. Yeah, I, I mean this He's is what, an and you're
2: sitting here thinking like oh, Harvard, you know, like you keep seeing the guy hand you your Harvard degree, <laughs> and off you go. What are your plans? Building a cyclotron I'm uh, out of pancakes? Yeah, I'm gonna go to Dupars and um, and work at Wilson's House of Suede and Leather. And I, but I, I, I remember thinking I just want my career to be uh, exciting, whatever happens. I don't. I was never someone who was focused about. Uh, I wanted to do my thing my way, and I wanted it to be exciting. And then after that, the rest was just details, like, do I get paid? Do I not get paid? (laughs) How does that all work out? I remember being very unconcerned about that, and, um, you know, I had I wore the same clothes for a couple of years. I bumped into someone recently who knew me from that time who worked in production and said, you had one leather jacket, and it's what you wore every day, and jeans, and this one T-shirt. It's like, you know... You can live that way. You're out of college. You don't know how to dress. You don't know how to... And I never spent any money, and I had a 1973 Plymouth Valiant that I drove around in, and so you think, okay, I'm kind of bulletproof. I don't care as long as it's fun, and I don't have to do... I don't want to work at a job I absolutely hate. I'd like to... And I think uh, that has all come true, and it's been a crazy ride. I've had one of the more interesting rides in show business, and... I think. All right. So, what's the complaint? You know, I um, still got a few. <laughs> <laughs> was the Was the SNL? Um, was the, the?
1: Do you work well under pressure? I mean, I, I yeah. It's I, still. It's still. I'm still. No matter what people say about SNL, they're like, eh, it's great, or it used to be better, or it's just like, well, it's still a ninety
2: minute brand new show that you got to put together every week. Right. I I really loved the. My big thing is I wanted to be in show business the kind of show business that um you see depicted in old movies i wanted showgirls people in horse costumes you know <laughs> guys dressed, dressed as nazis backstage putting on makeup Th- that vaudeville i essentially wanted to be in vaudeville and my favorite movie growing up was um uh jimmy cagney's uh, yankee doodle dandy and that was i took tap dancing lessons i mean i wanted that to be in that kind of show business and when I first got out to l a they put me in a room with fluorescent lights and said, "Just think of ideas and give them to this secretary, and we'll get back to you later, and they will or won't show up on the show, but there was no production, there was no and I thought I might as well be working at h and r block going mm-hmm. over taxes. this is not it was a good discipline to think of visual gags for like two years straight, but my whole career was moving closer and closer and closer to show business and I remember when I finally after three years out here working at different shows I finally we got the call to do Sarnet Live and I get there and people are running around and the band's rehearsing and you know there are people dressed up in crazy costumes smoking backstage people dressed as Aliens screaming at somebody. Like My favorite thing is someone in a humiliating costume screaming at somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like a guy dressed as a lobster saying, What the fuck? What the fuck? No, no, we talked about this. It's my shot, then a single. And, Did you like um, the movie My Favorite Year? Because that was totally, I, Yes, yeah, it's the totally. same thing. And yeah. that's what I wanted. And the late night show was, uh, you know, actually the. I remember it actually feeling like I drifted away from it because I went from Saturday Night Live to The Simpsons and being in a room again. And so I would jump around the room and act everything out and do the voices and climb up the wall. I was going crazy because I wanted, and then the late night show was me getting to the gooey molten core of this is what I want, this is, and you know, the show we did, we very much wanted it to be silly and, you know, Letterman's show had brilliantly been the first anti-talk show, and it had been very ironic and detached. And I thought, we—I'm just silly. I'm—I'm. I'm, if the sketch culture, you know, lots of fake guests, people in the audience dressed as hobos and aliens, and you know, hot air balloons crashing into the set, and you know, just madness. We wanted to go that way, and just absolutely loving the show and singing songs and. Just I, I remembered thinking, okay, this is it. This is what I like to do, and it's where I'm really comfortable. I really like that it organizes my mind. I'm an anxious person. I overthink, have a tendency to overthink things. So nothing's better for me than you're on in ten seconds. Right. That's organizes my mind. I just get really like, what are you gonna do? You know, my writer's brain has to shut down. It's over. You got to go, and then you just go and. The bit that you didn't think was gonna work can destroy and yeah. be great. Uh something can fall fo- sometimes you don't have much and you look at the board and you think these guests aren't great and oh man, we're gonna eat it tonight and it's just magical. I don't know why, but something happens and the show's over and you're deliriously happy and then you've got those other nights. And you start the next and then you say well and you you must have when you're when you're in the middle of a thing and you know like,
1: this is a what do you got just is your, is your? Are there just rats inside your brain, just chewing at your brain, or are you just thinking like, nah, let's just go to commercial, we'll fix it?
2: Uh, I think there used to be ra- there used to be rats chewing on the uh, uh, inside my brain. Um, I, I've actually described it to my wife. Not that I know what a herpes sore feels like, but I've said <laughs> I feel like I have herpes sores in my brain that are on fire. When things are not going the way I want them to go, comedically, I mean, I don't have an ego about my athletic ability or how I look or anything like. But I have a real everything's invested in is something funny or not, and when it's not or when I think it's hacky or that I've, you know, it's these red pulsating hot sores in my brain, and um, it takes like three days for that to crust over. You know, as disgusting as that sounds, and you need and I take the analogy further. You need to use a cream, an ointment. Mm-hmm. An antiviral cream, um, and uh, your urine changes color. And, uh, <laughs> this is real. Has a it actually has an effect on my body. I'm not even kidding. I it has I can feel ill. I can get rashes. Like my autoimmune system is affected by me. If I if things don't go well comedically, I, my skin is hot. I don't feel well. You know, it's just one of those. Uh, Things And when it goes, and when things go well, I can be sick, like have a bad cold or the flu, and then go out and it's a great crowd and the show really works. And there's no, the show's over and, you know, it's like the cancer's gone from this body. (laughs) Is it possible? And then... uh, The cure was
0: seltzer water
1: and pie in the face. Exactly. Is it possible that things go better than you think they're going? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you be, in other words, would you be bored if every show was like...
2: an amazing experience I'd like to try that (laughs) I'm willing to try that but no I I think it's you know uh, the struggle it's all about the struggle and like the great things you know there's a thing there's a mentality you meet sometimes in show businesses where people say that was great do that all the time right and you think no by in its nature the really great stuff Has to be rare. You can even really love Monty Python, but the really great things—it's not just back to back to back to back. It's you've got a you know they it's there's got to be some quality to anything creative where the really good stuff is is, um, not common. And so, um, whenever I do a remote segment, it's really good. People sometimes people in the staff would be like, "Man, that what well, you uh, thing you did in New York with the Chinese food, and that was great. You should just we should do that every night." And cut to me throwing them out the window and <laughs> falling to their death because I think you know, no, that took things take a long time to percolate. Like you know, the um, you know, my only hope is that you're judged for your best work. If you're judged by your best work, I'll be okay. I feel like you, you someone explained to me once that your creative life is laying down little tiles and you can't see what it's all making. And sometimes it's a slightly darker tile than the other. Sometimes it's a really brightly colored tile. Sometimes you lay down seven gray tiles in a row and you don't, but you're making a much bigger, uh, piece, which when seen, when it's completed, when it's done could be quite fantastic, you know, but you're doing it tile by tile day by day and you can't No, and so you know you get humble about okay we have shows where I don't know I didn't love that that felt really you guys uh, uh, but you you know they can't all be they're just not supposed to be there's no way it can't uh, the magical moments that people really notice especially in this culture now where it's saturated I mean I do think I fear for the future of our country I think you know Every young person I talk to uh, who's like gone to medical school and, medical school and stuff is, is taking an improv class. <laughs> they're all like, I just want to go to the UCB and learn improv. But you know how to, what, what was your, well I, know I did a lot of research and I know how to actually transplant a cornea that's grown in a lab. So I could do really do good that. space work yeah. for that. But I'm going to ditch that and <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm a good engineer. I can really build great stuff that could, you know, cure brain cancer but I want to go to the UCB and do improv. (laughs) And so I do think that, like, India, China, the reason they're eating our lunch is that we're all giggling and making little films of of each other (laughs) and putting them up on YouTube... And I think the Canadians are just going to come over the border while we're giggling and take over our country. Canada and Mexico are going to form an alliance and then just, like, stomp out. Yeah, they'll just come in and we'll be, you know, everyone at the Pentagon will be busy making little silly videos with each other and they'll just come in and take all of our gold and all of our rifles and our nuclear warheads and we'll be doing... You know, look well, at this thing we did where we pranked our friend, and then we put our president, our president, presi- and then put Yaki to it. And yeah, did it, our, pre- our
1: president's going to be a cat who scares itself with its own farts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we're all, and then we're all totally. But screwed. I did,
2: you know. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a. It's so funny because as you get older. I'm, You know, I've devoted my life to it and then I'm like, you kids shouldn't be doing this <laughs> <laughs> Go to law school Someone's gotta learn to build something And save this country Mr. Brian, you're wearing a Napoleon Shut up. I'm sitting <laughs> in, you not know, not the same. cheese not the same Quiet! It's right that I do this <laughs> By the way, I Bring love more cheese. This uh, was the proper choice in 1985, but not now <laughs> Not for you I love that you did this
1: I love the... Um... Uh, that idea of the Adam West pilot that you did. Oh, yeah. With, with 90s, Robert Smigel, with, yeah. With Robert Smigel. Uh, that ultimately is what Steven Seagal did yeah. in his life.
2: Yeah. That you were, you were 18 years ahead of your time. Yeah. It, it can be done. No, using your acting abilities to. Well, it's all about Adam West. He's just a genius. Um, both and I. You know, I still think Batman is maybe the pound for pound. At its height, like the funniest show ever made. It's because it's so, there's such, it's so insane. And Adam West has such a conviction about what he's doing. And it's, it's, he's doing those movies like 15 years before, or 10 or 12 years before the airplane movies. Right. What's airplane? 79, maybe? Something Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Batman is like 66. I mean, they're so far ahead of the curve, which is that genius discovery of you say insane things with absolute <laughs> pictures I know the and second you start playing the comedy it's
1: all over.
2: yeah and I th- and winking and letting everybody know and I think that was the big uh, you know revelation like my generation grew up watching Bob Hope and you know uh, do these specials you know we that was and and seeing this kind of sketch comedy that was had been the norm for like sixty years, and I think when younger people today don't understand when *Senate Live* first came on the air, or the first time you saw SCTV, it was just so radically
1: yeah. different
2: from what had come before it that you can't even, you know, it's you can't imagine. You know, you could literally uh, at the same time that you know Richard Pryor is hosting *Senate Live*, you could have flipped the channel and watched Donnie and Marie or. The Brady Bunch doing a variety show near a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff that was being written by like 80 year olds. Yeah. And it was like, Welcome to the program. Oh, well, you seem to be in it. Well, watch out, you. Jan. 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 Yeah. And then everyone quick gets, someone gets pushed and falls into the yeah. swimming pool.
0: <laughs> you know, exactly.
2: I know it's really funny,
1: but But it is. But it was that that sort of that period of time where it was like, now we're going to be real and raw, and you know,
2: people know that life isn't shiny, and that's what this. Oh, like George Carlin came
0: on. He's like, he's wearing jeans on television.
2: Well, also, was the real revelation was the band on Saturday Night Live was wearing jeans. Yeah, like no one had. That was a mental leap that is unfathomable. You know, today it's everyone's competing to out Like, like what is? I mean, other than just the only thing we haven't done is murder someone on TV. You know, ever. I mean... um,
1: It'll happen. Wasn't the second... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, because when the internet slowly merges with television, there will be some sort of crazy snuff channel when there's no FCC to,
2: you know, to... Right. It's going to, you know... I mean, still, I think that's the big, you know, big theory I have is you hear people bitching about now there's all this, you know, I've got 1,000 channels, but nothing good is on. And I thought, well, wait, you thought that suddenly mankind as a whole was going to get 10,000 times more creative? (laughs) (laughs) Like, creativity in a culture is a constant. And then it used to be that, you know, in a city of like 3 million people, 7 people were allowed to express themselves. <laughs> you know? And they and had to be really good. They had to be they had to, you know, <laughs> you and had to they earn it. they had to like apprentice for 20 years and then and then they finally they became a grandmaster and it's just, you know, Jotto. And, uh, you know, Rubens, and, you know, you're just like, you finally get there, and now there's no apprentice. The apprentice just grabs his his camera and starts shooting his own dick and <laughs> he paints a face on it, and it gets more hits than the grandmaster, you know. That would Ruben. be funny, though, I mean, it's, now that we're well, talking about it. No, done like, it. it's it well, that Jeff
0: Ross was saying, he so, said, like, when they were still at a... Uh, NBC Like all of a sudden Everyone had Final Cut It was just Everyone was making Their own videos Yeah And everyone was able To just Well it's also the It's
2: harder to You know you look at the Your show of shows The talent that Your show of shows had You know it's You know it's Woody Allen And Mel Brooks And Doc Simon And you know Carl Reiner And the list goes on And on and on Of all like The funniest people Of that generation Worked on one television yeah. show For a number of years We think about it today You know Uh Talent is constantly... When you hire someone to be an intern on your show and then you lose them three weeks later because they got their own show. You know? <laughs> the, 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 you know? Uh, uh, and uh, it's happening with more and more regularity. They leave to go... Everybody's leaving because they got an offer to go be in a movie or be in a... Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's very hard to corral talent and keep them corralled... You know, uh, because it's hard to get all the hot coals in one dense pile to create superheat. It's harder and harder because you, everyone's drifting constantly, and and um, you know into making their own thing. And I, my, I've always said I said this like 15 years ago, and I think it's more true now than ever. As I think it's all, it's going to end with all of us having our own shows and just taking turns being guests on each other's shows. And jazz describe podcasts. Yeah, but, but I, what I'm saying is, it's it's you know, uh, and literally, like every household has its own show, and then it's just people shuffling. The only reason people go from one house to the other <laughs> is just to be guests on each other's shows, <laughs> and uh, that's how food is exchanged, and that's how information is briefly exchanged. But other than that, everyone's just constantly blasting their show out there, and uh, you know, I I'm what is it, how many categories are there on the Oscars now? Like, there's 55 Best oh, Oscar nominations, yeah, <laughs> Best show, Movie. It's just, it, 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 uh, it's fragmenting so much and changing so much that you just have to, whenever I get lost thinking about it all, I think, keep it really simple. Do your show, try and think of something funny. Eventually, you'll come up with something that's pretty good, and maybe people will remember that and then try and do it again you know and you got to keep it that simple and then at some point you'll die
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's good i mean you're pretty firmly rooted though i mean like you you really i think you inspired a generation of Lovers of kind of nerd themed comedy. I don't know if you specifically thought of it that way, but it was clearly.
2: I was trying to be a jock themed comedy. <laughs> apparently, I failed. Oh, yeah. Damn it! This like, I fucked up. Oh,
1: I knew I should have played football. And I wasn't re- going re- re- for, for it, that was Is that what
2: you guys are getting? Is nerd? Oh, that's God. not at all what I was going for. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, but, it's, but, but, it, it, but there yeah. was just
1: nothing else. There was just no- like it was. A, it, it spoke to an entire generation between you know that you know that chunk of the Simpsons and. Right. And the talk show was just sort of... uh that
2: spoke to me. I mean, I have a late night with Conor O'Brien Cup I got in 95. That's been missing. We've been looking for that. <laughs> it's it's on my desk, bitch. and it's been on my desk. Well, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, what, the nice thing, I mean, the big reward to all of it um, is I really like... Um, I'm constantly meeting young people, and, you know, sometimes it's embarrassing because you'll meet, like, in a, bump into an attractive woman, and she'll say, oh... Like you're showing, you'll be like, oh, well, thank you. And then she'll say, yes, when I was four. Oh, and yeah. you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> life. You know, yeah. Um, I think the biggest uh, common denominator to a lot of stuff is just don't lie. You know, which is just yourself and let people know that when you make a mistake, you let them know. I think over the years that's been, you know, uh, probably the number one rule I've learned is don't try and project something. That's not you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so I think usually the experience people have that I hear when they come up to me and talk to me is they say, Oh, you're just like you are on the show. Like you're not a different person. Do you know what I mean? And I think they, I mean, it's not like my real name is Chip Whitley and I become this person. But I think, I think that's a,
1: but I think that is a function of what I call like, uh, uh post-vatican II television. Right. I don't know what else to call it but cuz I don't think Carson was the guy that you saw on the tonight show right. with Johnny Carson right that uh, you know I I don't I no, don't know I, yeah I think there's a it's just uh, a different it was an old school of performer like no 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 you have your public persona and your private persona is dark and right, weird. Exactly. And no one ever sees it.
2: No, you, you can be the happiest guy in the world on television, and then, like, when the camera lights are out, you kick a whore to death. You know? Um, <laughs> well, she was a whore. Yeah. Which is, well, well you know, still, she didn't deserve that. No, she didn't deserve just that, Jonah. Parents, Why did you kill her, Jonah? I didn't mean to. But that's, that's, uh, that's I think, yeah, there's just. Uh, It has changed so seismically. And what's interesting is that people that watch TV now don't, you know, you can really, the the thing is to do is to just keep moving and just keep doing what you do. And, um, you know, we have these really smart people that work on my social media stuff who are great and they are, and I don't even pretend to understand half of it, but I'm just going with it. I'm trying to stay loose. I've noticed that the people that do well are stay loose, don't give up your core comedy principles, but just, all right, let's try this. I will try. I will. Uh, this is the new technology. I'll do it. I, it's such a you know, leap from my years co-starring on Chips. Uh, <laughs> you were really great on that show, by the I know. way. My one question is, chips. if you were a California highway patrolman, why were you solving crimes? You know, my funny thing about Chips that I realized is that they locked themselves in. They invented Chips. It's two highway patrolmen whose job is just to drive up and down, like, the 101 <laughs> freeway. And, you know, immediately, it was, like, good theme song, Eric Estrada, the motorcycles, everyone's in. Don't forget Larry Wilcox. Yeah, Larry Wilcox. And then they realized, they must have realized, like, two shows in, nothing happens when you ride up and down. No. And so then they started coming up with the most... If you've, every now and then I'll see, like, a, a, a chipped segment, I don't know, somewhere, or, or I'll recall it from my youth. These guys would be driving along on the 101 and up ahead they'd have two cars that were where kids and them were throwing firebombs into each other's cars and <laughs> laughing maniacally and they'd go to stop them. Or else robbers were stealing, you know, their scheme was something that involved robbing a bank on the 101 while driving. I mean, they had to make everything happen on the freeway yep. while driving. like old and, westerns where
0: everything happens on the train.
2: Yeah, and it's none of it made any sense and you realize the writers just it was that era and then it would whatever the fixation was that week which is hang gliding or Mm -hmm. disco dancing (laughs) they would always have that be the B plot which is you know are you excited about the big disco concert and you know the big disco dance thing punch you bet I am oh look Those seven cars are committing a crime on the 101. (laughs) (laughs) A sophisticated crime. You know, where you go to commit crimes. Yeah, Yeah. and then they go and they solve that crime, and then it would end with him, Celebrate good times. And they're all dancing, and the whole force is turned out. But if it weren't for Chips, we wouldn't have gotten police squad. No. Mm -hmm. It was a golden era of tv i do think this is like a golden era i do think there's more oh i agree the good tv is better like you know i look at a breaking bad or it's a, all on cable though. I mean, it's mostly on cable yeah but the good stuff is is eerily good you know you just think this is better than stuff i how many times have you paid for a movie ticket and just be, been terribly disappointed mm-hmm. and then Someone will turn you on to like Homeland or, or Breaking Bad or, and you, you watch it, and you are like it all fits together. It's cohe- or, you know, yeah. a good, good 24. You're like, oh my God, the level of the acting and the writing and they thought it all out. They don't do that in most movies. Yeah. Most, you know. Well, it's, it's you
1: know, it's it's just sort of the idea of, like, either the show like Breaking Bad or any of the smaller cables, is like, fewer cooks in the kitchen. They let the creative people be funny. They, they're not gonna be funny. Right. They let the creative people sort do of carry thing. out their thing. You know, like, oh, this is why you hired me. I mean, you must have sat in a million note sessions
2: where you're like, why did you hire me if you were just going to tell me? You know, I've been particularly, uh, you know, with a few exceptions, we've been left alone. Which oh, is that's pretty good. good. I think... At the late night show they people just stayed away from me because they thought this guy's not going to make it, and so we did our own thing and then by the time it started to work, they were like, "Oh, I guess he knows what he you know but we were uh shockingly unsupervised for years there, and here they pretty much let us do what we they completely let us do what we want so i've been lucky i haven't had I never got into that kind of television where you need to service a million notes, and where I mean, I was very fortunate that way.
1: Right. Well, I guess you had Lauren on your side too, so he was probably like, ah, let him, let him." Be.
2: I think, yeah, exactly. Oh, he's weird. <laughs> I'll talk to him tomorrow. It's
1: amazing, then. like because I know you—you you have admitted that you know it, your show took a couple,
2: like three to three oh, yeah. years to sort. Well, it's and- a great joke we did on my tenth anniversary special. We had Mister T come out and present me with a solid gold seven, <laughs> and, and that I could wear on my neck. And he said, "Hey." You know, it's all gold seven for your 70, you know, years. And I said, Mr. T, I've been on the air for 10. And he said, you've only been funny for seven. <laughs> 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 and uh, and, I said, and uh, it got this huge laugh. But it, we, we did it because it was, you know, it's like, you know, there were funny moments. But, you know, we just, it was just dumb luck that we survived the early years. It would be difficult in today's
1: television climate to be allowed to develop and grow.
2: No, and I think that we were, uh, it was lack of a, there was, they wanted to get rid of us, but didn't have, like, the backup plan yet, which would take time. You know, and there was a lot of, like, you're fired soon. Well, yeah, there actually, there was yeah. a moment where I was canceled, but they had a meeting where, we're like, all right, let's cancel it. And then at the end of the meeting, someone came back in and went, you know, if we cancel it, we have to, we don't have anything to replace it with yet. So they went, okay. Let's wait. I think they were going to bring Greg Kinnear in or something, and it was like, let's wait. Don't cancel him yet. Uncancel him. But there was a meeting where we were canceled. Oh my in god! In '94, and then they had to uncancel us to keep us going, and that's when we were put on. They wanted to put us on a week-to-week contracts. Oh my god! That's them, horrible. Said, we can't do week-to-week contracts because it's not possible. We the writers. No agent will make that deal for the writers. So that's when they said you can do uh, 13 weeks. So we were on 13-week cycles for a while. And so, you know, that puts some of the... uh, And I remember thinking that's as crazy as my career will ever get. That was, was, you know, before the ultimate uh, thing that was 10 times crazier in its own way two years ago. So if you stick around, you'll see everything. You know, like, if if you stick around in this business long enough, you will see insane behavior craziness uh, you'll, you'll see relatively intelligent people do the craziest things it's it's really incredible it's been uh, been quite a experiment I guess the trick is just to hang on <laughs> well I <laughs> yeah. think it's like yeah, it's like I think you don't quit the field like if you're still on the field and you're still playing you you can there's always the chance that it, things can turn around and um, and if you still feel like you're doing good work or something it's I mean, I, I don't have uh, – if I thought I wasn't contributing anything or that we've I, – I wouldn't do it. And it's not even a I don't have to because I've got some money in the bank. It would be – I just wouldn't have – I have no energy to be funny if I don't think it's good. And I just um, – and I have no desire. Like, all of that goes away. And so then I would think, well, the, I mean, the greatest thing – I love doing – the greatest thing about doing comedy is when you think you have a chance of making it work. But when comedy isn't going well, I would much rather dig a trench for electrical pipe. You know, like I would or coaxial cable. Mm-hmm. I would rather do the worst kind of physical labor than than be in front of people and having it just be crappy.
1: It's you funny know. how people use money as a uh, as as like as like leverage against people who are successful, right. and like they, 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 I feel like they're not. They're, these people are not given the the leeway. The successful people aren't given the leeway to like, hey, just because I have this this some kind of level of success doesn't mean I'm never going to be unhappy about things. Like, oh no, shut up, you fucking millionaire! Like, yeah. Yeah, but I still hate myself in the same ways. Yeah, as before well,
2: that's. I mean, that's the thing. Is I mean that that there's no. The illusion always is that you can get to a place where there will be no unhappiness. I mean, I used to, you know, if you had told me you'll have your own show, it'll be called the Conan Show or Late Night with Conan O'Brien, or you know, I and and people will recognize you and be nice to you. I would just say, like, I'll be completely satisfied mm-hmm. if I could have that. If you had told me that in Dupars, I would have said, you know, we are there great, I will never complain about anything again. Bullshit, you know, and it's just, you know, I've read interviews with Paul McCartney where he's, like, complaining about something, and you're like, <laughs> you're a billionaire right. who is acknowledged as the greatest entertainer of all time, and you're healthy, and you seem to be, you know, have be having a, what, what, what? Right. I mean, you've gotten full credit for and you think, because he's a human being, right. and yeah. you're, there's always uh, there's in the happiness, there's some sorrow and in the sorrow there's some happiness. It's like, it's, there's always going to be that mix. It's always going to be the salty and the sweet and that's just the way it's gotta be. We're going to have a good show. We're going to have a bad show. We're going to have a pretty good show with a great moment. We're going to have a pretty bad show with a great moment. We'll have a horrible show with no good moment. We'll have our ups. We'll have our downs I'll be on everyone's list of the favorite and then i'll be on the non no lists and then i'll be on the list of the worst and then i'll be back on the list you know it's like you just if you're around long enough you see how the whole thing is uh kind of um um just this absurd theater like this do you know what i mean like you're
1: always well it's also comforting that means that you never it's not like oh my god this I just hosted a show and something didn't go right and It's over, it's all over No, You
2: know, it's like, alright, I'll pick it up again You know, something, I mean, yeah You just, uh, uh, you know That said, I completely lose my perspective Probably five times a day I mean, that's the biggest re- I wish, perspective seems to be something That we have for minutes at a time yeah. You know, a yeah. close friend dies And you think, oh my god I uh, I can't believe I worry about these trivial things. I'm not going to worry about that again. Eight minutes later, <laughs> where's my Snickers bar?
1: Yeah. Well, we're, we're, you're so used to being on, I don't know what else to call it, but like Street View, like Google Maps. You're so used to being on Street View. It's like the tile analogy. That you yeah. Know, that you just, it's hard sometimes, because you still want to get things done, and you still want to be relevant. And there's a really, this, I hope this isn't a dumb thing to reference, but... I always, even as a kid, I always loved this moment in the movie Parenthood where Jason Robards is talking to Steve Martin, and Steve Martin's like freaking out about his life, and then Jason Robards goes, you never pass the touchdown line, you never spike the ball. Right. It's, this is just life like you just keep going yeah, you know Right. and I always kind of felt like what right well
2: Jason Robards was wrong <laughs> and now he's good what an asshole yeah there is
1: an end zone there's two on every field yeah oh God.
2: I mean, now you're talking things I don't know about uh, no the, the uh, yeah that's the same funny thing about careers too is careers don't um, you know careers just keep going people do, you know what I mean I think that's one of the great things about that I think one of the reasons things that adds so much to the Carson legend is that he just was like goodbye fuck you guys I'm done I'll see you later and then was gone and, and then, then the Beatles broke up and probably would have reformed in like 1985 for some and you know like you Live know, Aid for Live Aid or something, something and show. it would have yeah played an original song that we wouldn't have enjoyed you know or something it would have but you know it didn't happen and so there was this magical it's magical to us now and uh um, I'm in the "overstay your welcome" school. That's what I believe in. Stick around until people are like last know, guy at the party. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you guys have Jenga. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's the. That's the. Uh, but I, I. Yeah, I think there's a. Uh, there's something magical about that, and no one. I, what I find is that nobody goes away anymore. I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody, but nobody, because we're in a culture now where you know there is no going away. Who yeah. goes away? Like. Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips is on the military channel. Oh, shit. Good call. He didn't go away. He's back. And he interviews generals about battles. And you think, what are Lou Diamond Phillips' qualifications? <laughs> <laughs> what are his qual? And he's, you know... He was in Young Guns. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like, yeah. sort of
1: like yeah. Logan's run. I'm sure Carousel's really awesome if you're 20. But then all the 30-year-olds are like, wait a minute. I
2: don't... Let's <laughs> right. the rethink this for a minute. There's, uh... Yeah, there's there's no, nothing stops now. It all just keeps going. We're all you know, and then people who've had incredible careers, and then it sort of has a natural end. Will be on YouTube making videos. Sort of their <laughs> faces just falling off like hot wax. <laughs> I think they end it's their good. careers on TV land.
1: I. <laughs> that's true. So. I love their, uh, but you know, like, and then we'll wrap it up in a sec because you've been more than cool about uh, time with us. But I um. I I'd heard, uh, Ferguson was on the podcast a couple years ago, and he was like, yeah, and I took the job, and I really didn't understand what it meant to have to do a show every day. Every day. No, if I was sick, or f- had a fight yeah. with someone, or didn't want to be there. Right. And But to me, and maybe it's because I crave just the constant distraction, I think it sounds amazing to have, like, a home base every day to create yeah. a new thing.
2: Yeah, I think... You know, I, the only thing I can, that I've ever, uh, the truest thing I can say about this kind of television is the bad news is you're on every day, and the good news is you're on every day. And it is, there's, uh, it's this crazy yin-yang symbol of you're driven mad by the volume, and the volume is what sets you free. The, <laughs> the, uh... You know, if we only did shows and we were completely ready to do them, I'd have made seven in my entire career. And we would not have arrived at any of the really good stuff. The good stuff has all come from desperation. You know, you're backed against a wall. You try something, it hits. Um, All of the bits that people have liked the most from the time that I've been uh, doing a show since 93 you know, the good stuff has always been a happy accident and it's come from, man, what are we going to, I don't know, what we, you know, and then you, you find these bits, you find these things in these characters, but it's the volume of it and it's also what kills you and makes you crazy. Like you you dream, when you're in a long cycle of shows, you dream of not doing shows and then the minute you're not doing shows, you dream of doing shows right. and so, uh, I, my wife said, has said to me many times, your show is the organizing principle of your life. It is what everything else is organized by this you know, iron rod in the center, which is the show, and then everything else gravitates around it. Um, it was her way of saying, you don't love me. How do you turn off after a day? Um, like, I have working. a lot of trouble. Uh, I had more trouble in New York than I do here. This has been I'm a I'm an empath. i pick up on energy around me and in New York I could not settle down. Yeah. And so I didn't sleep well and I was, you know, I'd come home after doing a lot of shows and have all this energy and then you come back to a small apartment and there's you're you're on a you're you're sharing a piece of rock with eight million other people and you're just bouncing yeah. off the walls and you go outside to and and everyone on the street is like, Hey come and you're like, hey uh, and you just you you, you get it's overload. So I used to try it whenever I could to get out of the city. I like... Here, it's a little easier for me because I have, like, a 45-minute drive home and you just sort of, you know... It's something... It's like a decompression.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm down at the bottom of the sea and then I slowly come up in a bathysphere uh, on the freeway and then I, I get home and I'm actually... And it's, you know, there's, like, a little bit of grass outside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, Can you roll your windows uh, down yeah and, and there's a tree outside my house and it's like okay, there's not so but yeah I have a hard time I have a really hard time coming down from shows. I'm very what you see is real. I get very animated I've got a, I've, and again it's your strength is your weakness. My strength is I have a lot of energy and my weakness is I have a lot of energy. so I have like an intense energy and, and so I do the show and then when it's over, I'm kind of manic in the meetings afterwards, and I'm talking real fast, and I've got all this stuff to say, and I'm zipping through the show and zinging people about things that didn't quite work, and everyone else is like, "Let's just go home." <laughs> and then sometimes I'm wandering the hallways, "Hey, you, come over here," and you know, trying to make an intern laugh, and people are like, "It's just sad." <laughs> I'm just like, Let's go home. So that's. That's the that's the flip side of it. Yeah. It's really hard to come down. It's well, a lot to ask of a person though to yeah.
1: be like be in performance mode. Now stop being in stop. performance like you just this. it just yeah. Yeah. you got to like it's an adrenaline rush. It's just like it's in your fucking blood and it's also flowing. the
2: big the big thing here is that when you do comedy, and this is the tricky thing, it's probably in some ways healthy but in some ways not healthy. Sure. You're going out there and you're putting yourself on the line and you're um, you're agitating this part of you that's, as you said, probably a defense mechanism. Or so you're you're poking it, you're picking at a sore. And you know, in some ways, you don't mean to be that negative about it because I think it's uh, there's a lot of release, there's a lot of like uh, very healthy expression. But there's also you're you're grinding away at your insecurity every day. So. That's the other thing that's kind of interesting is that you're perpetuating, you're enabling some part of you that may not be healthy over and over and <laughs> over again. And sometimes I get mad at my staff because they'll give me a hard time for being uh, overly, you know, people will they'll make fun of me or give me a hard time for being overly analytical or, or overly hard on things or a little manic or too obsessive or obsessive compulsive. And I'll say to them i'm sorry your your paycheck is coming from my sickness, and now you're complaining about it <laughs> you're writing the back of my 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 sad childhood illness. You're like yes, you're working too, but we're all taking a ride on. You're this You are thing. enabling this by yeah. working for me. This is your fault. Yeah, yeah. Turn no, the I, op- I often do say to them like it's all your fault. You should have taken me to the hospital a long time ago, but you had to have your checks. You
1: needed your money, you
2: needed your money so you kept it going, and now look at me. What you've done Make me. the crazy boy dance. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Stage. And now you now you want it to stop. It stops when I say it stops. <laughs> so yeah, it's all it's sad. It's sad. <laughs> well, this is uh, this was
1: really awesome. I mean, I I kind of uh, thank you. This enough. was fun.
2: Well, I I love uh, I love talking about this stuff and um, and I really like I like I say I don't know where all of this is going, meaning the comedy, the uh, zeitgeist universe. But I'm always uh, heartened to meet and like talk to young people who are funny and sharp and. I think, yeah, it's all, like, that's all I've ever wanted out of it is just when I'm 80, if I can still bump into younger people who are into it and try, I mean, I always feel like I can always go back to a writer's room or whatever, work on a, I I, I like the process. I really love the process and I believe in it. And I think the scale of it becomes less important to me. Like, you know, it's even, you know, that's, I think that's the good news about this new world we're in is that you can be you really creative and interesting and explore great areas on a podcast. Do you know what I mean? And people will hear it. That's the other thing. It's like people yeah. hear it and I, I know that I'm going to be in Seattle visiting my in-laws and I'll go to a coffee place and a guy warming up my croissants going to say, I heard you on that podcast and I loved it when you said, and it, that to me, that connection is just as good as someone seeing you on the Oscars. Yeah. You hear that fellas?
0: You hear that, guys? This is just as big as
2: the Oscars. We're going to host the Oscars? <laughs> it's bigger. <laughs> it's
1: bigger than the Oscars. Uh, Kona, thank you so much. I, I, I always have a great time coming on your show. And, uh, You're a good man. And thank you so much. Dice. A times. we dice. did it, right? We really did. This good. is it.
2: We, we
0: figured did... it all out
2: tonight. Oh, uh, I didn't hit record. Nice. Well played, bit, sir. I... Wrote it all down. <laughs> <laughs> I, to do it start to start I have nine legal pads here. Would you
1: can grab a pen? Get to work!
2: All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. I'm gonna go home and disappoint my wife. <laughs> <laughs> just another night. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Stamps.com, the post office in your computer. Never leave your house to mail a thing. Start your no-risk trial today and get a digital scale plus $55 worth of free postage by entering the promo code NERDIST. Stamps.com, promo code NERDIST. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you
0: already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue
1: Book My Wallet on AutoTrader.